Welcome to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Sam Abbott, registered dietitian nutritionist and PCOS nutrition expert. I'm here to help you learn how to manage PCOS and support your hormones while also having a healthy relationship with food in your body. You can improve PCOS symptoms and labs without dieting. Get ready to feel better with PCOS and leave diet culture in the rearview mirror. Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Sam here, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am excited that you're listening. Okay, before I jump into today's topic, I have to tell you the funniest story. So my partner always jokes with me about being an intuitive eater. And part of being an intuitive eater can be honoring your fullness. And so there are times when we're eating and I will just stop eating when I'm full or when I don't want any more food. And this kind of became a joke on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, then you've definitely seen this. He will get so annoyed if we're eating pizza and I get to half of a slice of pizza. Granted, I've already had more than one slice, not that I'm just eating one slice, half a slice of pizza, but I'll be eating pizza. And if I'm halfway through and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually really full, I will just not eat the other half of the slice of pizza. And I'll put it back in the box and like save it for later. And he's like, who only eats a half a slice of pizza? So that's kind of like our background of things. And sometimes I'll, there will be half eaten things in the fridge and, and things like that. And It's just kind of my thing. I don't know if you would consider it a quirk, but so to lead it, I wanted to explain that to lead into the story. So we have in our pantry, our pantry has wire shelves, and then we have these pull out basically wire baskets. And in one of the shallow ones, I have trays and we kind of use that shallow drawer as our candy and sweets drawer. So I have like gum in there and chocolates and it it had just been Easter recently. So there were like Reese's eggs and Cadbury eggs in there. And then I have a tray too with like other snack stuff in there. And I was standing in the pantry and you can see in the, sh- in the um, drawer because it's a wire shelf. I saw one of the Cadbury eggs, the top of it had been opened and like shredded into tiny little pieces. And then I opened the drawer and I looked at it and there were just tiny little like teeth marks or little scratches. If you were looking at a Cadbury egg, it looked like somebody like opened the top of it and just shaved part of the chocolate off of it. So it wasn't deep enough to go down into the filling. And my partner doesn't even like Cadbury eggs. So I knew that that wasn't his doing. And I was like, did you see this Cadbury egg in here? Like, I think we have a mouse. Y'all, he said... I thought that was you doing your intuitive eating stuff. (laughs) And I just, I just thought that was so funny. If you had seen the egg, it was really just like shavings. And I'm like, 
that's not quite what intuitive eating is. Like, yes, stop when you're full, but I don't think I would have like opened the top of a Cadbury egg and just like shaved off like a tiny sprinkle of chocolate. So we did end up putting a camera in our pantry and we do have a mouse and the mouse is I think outsmarting us right now because I put a catch and release trap in there, which I'm already nervous about because I'm like, if we do catch the mouse, what am I going to do with it? And I'm like, does it have a family? And then if I release it somewhere else, is it going to be separated from its family? And we live in North Carolina and there are a lot of snakes around us. And I'm like, I don't want the mouse to get eaten. This is a lot to think about. But I think it's outsmarting us because I put a trap down and it has not gone in the trap, but it continues to eat all of the Cadbury eggs in there. So I know it's coming in there every night. We only caught it on camera one night. So I thought that was a funny story. My partner just thinking that (laughs) that I was taking intuitive eating to an entirely new level. I've never had a mouse before ever in anywhere that I've lived that I've known of. So if you have any tips for helping my home be mouse free again, please let me know. All right, well, let's jump in. Now that you've heard my mouse story, let's jump into today's episode. I thought it would be fun to share a little bit behind the scenes of my group coaching program, Nourish with PCOS. We just wrapped up the spring group of this. Every group is really special, and I really enjoy working with everyone in the group. And At the end of the program, we spent some time in our last session sharing some of the biggest takeaways of the program, and I just wanted to share them with you because I thought it would be really inspiring. I think that in the PCOS space, diet talk is so overwhelming, and most of the advice that you hear for managing PCOS is rooted in food restriction. So if you make an effort to take a step away from that, you feel like you're going against the grain, you feel like you're swimming upstream without a paddle, you're worried that you're going to harm your health, like all of these things. And I think just hearing from some of the the viewpoints of people who are actively doing the work can be really inspiring. So I've divided this up into the four biggest wins or takeaways from the program, and I hope that they will be really helpful for you. So one of the biggest pieces of feedback that I get with every group is that even when people felt like they had a solid handle on taking a non-diet approach to nutrition, Many people realize how much work they still had to do in terms of letting go of dieting and the diet mentality. And I hear this a lot. And I think this is because a lot of people love the idea of letting go of dieting from following influencers on social media Or maybe you read the intuitive eating book or maybe you listen to podcasts But it's different when you are in a group where you're really digging in to do that internal work, because that's really where letting go of dieting happens. When you do that internal work, when you do a lot of self-reflection, and in the program, we spend the beginning of the program talking about letting go of dieting and improving body image, 
body image is a topic that dietitians and even therapists are not trained in. So I think it's a really intimidating topic to discuss, especially in a group setting. But I have gotten special training and I get supervision on the topic of body image. And I think that it's really, really important to talk about in coaching because how we feel about our bodies directly relates to how we make food choices. So I think that learning about that too kind of leads to this realization that like, wow, there was a lot to dig into when it comes to letting go of dieting. What I hear from some people who join my group is they're really looking forward to jumping into the gentle nutrition piece of things, which we go through in the middle of the program. And of course, I love teaching nutrition, but it's also really rewarding to see people doing that internal work for letting go of dieting first so that when you get into adding nutrition, you can do it from a place of self-care instead of a place of coming from guilt and shame and restriction. The second big takeaway from the program this go around was that several group members shared that they enjoyed being in a group setting. They enjoyed hearing each other's questions. They enjoyed hearing people share things about their personal experiences. And I just wanted to share this because I think that when people hear group coaching, they feel really intimidated. They feel like they're just going to be a number. Maybe they feel like they're not going to get their individual questions answered. Maybe they feel like they don't want to share vulnerable things to other people. And all of those feelings are completely valid. I've done a lot of work in my group coaching program to create an environment that doesn't feel intimidating, that is as trauma-informed as you can be in a group setting. I don't force people to participate. You can come to a call. You can turn your video off. You don't have to talk or share things. People show up in different ways, and that's that's completely okay. So I do a lot of work to try to make people feel comfortable in a group setting, knowing that you're going to be sharing things that may be tender and personal. But I always love hearing that people enjoyed being in a group. And you are not alone with PCOS. PCOS is actually pretty common. It's just something that people historically have not talked about a lot. Maybe that's because it has to do sometimes with periods or symptoms that Typically, when people talk about physical symptoms of PCOS, it's coming from a place of shame or a place of trying to fix things. And I just think it's so refreshing to be in a group where you're with people who have had similar experiences as you and have the same types of goals as you. I think that that can be really nice. Another thing that people brought up in terms of being in a group was that they learn new things that they wouldn't have thought of on their own. So maybe we're talking about a topic and people are asking questions and sometimes you don't know what you don't know and it's hard to think of things to ask sometimes and that's why I love being in a group where, you know, you're learning from each other and you're learning from all of the questions, even if you're not the person who asked a question. I 
do you think that a lot of like group experience that I see with my clients before they come into the program comes from being in Facebook groups for with PCOS and being in a group that is not moderated by a licensed professional is completely different than being in group coaching. I find that in a lot of PCOS Facebook groups, there's a lot of trauma dumping where people are really using the group to vent. And while definitely in my program, there is space to explore situations that have caused you harm in the past, we're doing it in a more gentle and productive way so that hopefully it's not it's not harming other people in the group and you don't get that in a facebook group that's not moderated so yeah just kind of a completely different experience than being in a facebook group but i just wanted to share that because groups can be really supportive and really great and I used to do only one-on-one coaching, and I find that group settings with PCOS can be really healing and be more productive and be better for group participants. Of course, at the time that I'm recording this, at least I do offer a VIP option in my group for people who do want one-on-one support, but Group coaching can be great, too, if you're somebody who has been a little hesitant about it. All right. Third big takeaway from the program, and I'm curious if you can relate to this. Someone shared on our final call that prior to coming into the program, she was having a lot of health anxiety, and that really eased over the course of eight weeks. Having PCOS can be really overwhelming, and I want to validate that. I mean, you're diagnosed with PCOS and just given a list of like, here are all the things that you're going to have to deal with, or you are more likely to get diabetes, or you're never going to be able to have kids, which first of all, that's not even true. But a lot of my clients are told that, and that can feel really scary. So I want to completely validate that. And we go into every group knowing that a lot of people who are coming into the program are probably feeling overwhelmed or exhausted or just so confused about their PCOS. And when I'm working with with clients, our goals together often involve a bit of balance, working on acceptance for things that might be out of your control normalizing, having symptoms and health conditions, talking about ableism and the morality around health status. These are all things that we bring into coaching program, but also leaving space for people to work on things or set goals that feel good to them because you do have body autonomy, but health looks so different for each person. And one of the things we do at the beginning of the program is we come up with individualized definitions of health because what I see in practice is that maybe someone's pursuit of their idea of health is actually taking away from their quality of life and sometimes even harming their physical health. So tapping into what's really important to you when it comes to values and how you define health is really, really important. 
So many health diagnoses around PCOS are manageable. There are treatment options. There are things that we can do with nutrition, lifestyle, but also medication. The problem is that you've probably just received so many messages that your health status holds this moral value and that may be guiding how you approach health. And so some of the work we do in the program, in addition to learning about nutrition and body movement and supplements, is really having open conversations around that and kind of removing some of the morality around your health status. And when I say morality around health status, I mean viewing having PCOS symptoms or maybe being diagnosed with something like prediabetes as like you're not doing well or you're not as good of a person because you have those medical conditions. So I was really, really happy to hear somebody in the group say that they felt like some of this health anxiety related to all of this had really eased. I think that that is the beauty of non-diet work. I think a lot of times when you are in a diet-centered program, that can make health anxiety worse, or at least that's what I see in practice and what my clients share with me. And... The last takeaway from the group, a group member privately reached out to me and she said she just wanted to let me know that she felt like our sessions were very therapeutic. She shared that when she left coaching calls, she often felt like she did after a therapy session, but in a good way. And honestly, that is one of the biggest compliments somebody could give me about the program In the program, we're learning and growing and doing a lot of self-reflection, which is similar to the type of work that you do in therapy. And I think so much when we're talking about nutrition, it's only in the context of physical health. It's only in the context of nutrient density and how certain nutrients affect your body. But food is so much more than that. Food is emotional. Food can be social and food can be part of how we interact with people. And we need to talk about that. (laughs) And I think that is part of the beauty of doing non-diet work is that we're acknowledging how those social and emotional aspects play into physical health too. And so I think when we are talking about those social and emotional aspects, topics are going to come up that might feel a little bit like therapy. And I think that that's really cool. I also think that that is why, of course, I'm saying this with bias, but I feel like this is why my clients who really embrace non-diet nutrition tend to make more sustainable health changes instead of just cycling through diet after diet. And it's because you've explored what's underneath when it comes to your eating habits and behaviors. What's underneath could be experiences growing up with food and how your family talked about food and how that has shaped how you make food choices now. What's underneath could be medical experiences and how they have impacted you 
what's underneath could be making food choices out of fear instead of self-care. Like there are so many things to explore. And, you know, we don't sit down and have a therapy session. We go through a PCOS education, but I'm always dropping in little reminders for self-reflection and in the program, there's a workbook that has a lot of questions for self-reflection. So I thought that comment was was really cool, feeling like coaching sessions were therapeutic. And that is the greatest compliment to me. So, well, those were the four biggest takeaways from this spring group of the program. I feel so humbled and honored to be able to take place or to be a part of this journey for my clients. I am sprinkling some groups in throughout the year this year. So this is a really great option for you if you're somebody who really feels like you're at a crossroads with nutrition. Dieting is not working for you anymore and you're really not sure how to move forward, especially when you have other health Things going on related to PCOS like prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, fatty liver, some of those metabolic effects, you'll get a lot of tools for that in the program. So I hope that you found these these wins and takeaways to be really inspiring, to give you hope that PCOS doesn't have to feel all-encompassing and overwhelming, and that you can find peace and balance with nutrition. Well, that is it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will chat with you later. Thanks for listening to the Nourished with PCOS podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can catch new episodes. I'd also be so grateful if you left a review and rating for the pod as well. See you next Wednesday.